Evening, everyone. How's everybody? You hear me okay? You hear me okay? Everybody tired? All right. Well, good. It's been a good day, right? Man, such a good day. So grateful. By the way, if you see the if you see the Heartland staff around the folks that work here, be sure to thank them at some point tonight and tomorrow. Man, they have worked their tails off today, and they are continuing to do so to make this camp run, and obviously not only to just make this camp possible this week, but just all the hiccups and hurdles that happened today, and they like made everything just you know virtually seamlessly. So, so grateful for all those amazing, hardworking, wonderful dear brothers and sisters that do all of it because of you, because they love you, they love Jesus, and they want you to know Jesus the way they know Jesus. So tonight, if you've got your Bible, open up to John 17. You know, that shocks you that we're going to be there. And even more shocking, tomorrow morning, we'll be in John 17 as well. I know, right? Amazing. We're going to fin- we'll finish up John 17 tomorrow. But tonight, John 17, verse 11 to 19. Tonight, I want to tell you about how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I know if you maybe grew up in church, like me, you have heard that phrase before, and you think, Maybe you're thinking, oh, this is, maybe this is the night that, that we talk about the gospel. And you're right. And you might be tempted to think, I can write this off. I prayed a long time ago. I gave my life to Jesus. Like, this is not for me. But let me tell you something. You could not be more wrong. This is the most important. This isn't like Christianity 101, where you just hear this message You say yes to Jesus, and then you move on from there to the important things, or to the more, like, difficult, the more advanced things. This isn't like, you know, I I taught swim lessons for years and years, and, you know, we had... Uh, we had beginners, we had, uh, we had guppies, and we had beginners. And that was kind of learning to float, learning your back floats, learning your front floats, learning, you know, put your head in the water and do your glides and all those. And then we had advanced, and we had beginners and then advanced beginners and all those things. And you might think that this is like, oh, this is where, you know, this is, this is the message for the guppies, the guppy Christians, you know, maybe the people who aren't Christians, and then, you know, maybe the guppy Christians, but I'm, I'm an advanced beginner Christian. I don't, this message is beyond me. But, but friend, you could not be more wrong. This isn't the start of Christianity. This is the start, this is the middle, this is the end. This is what it is to follow Christ, not just when you first put your faith in Christ. This is the faith that saves you, and it is the faith that sustains you throughout every mistake, throughout every sin, throughout every good day, throughout every bad day. It is this grace that we will talk about, this amazing gift of God that he offers us freely to you that was purchased on the cross, that he offers to you. If you are a follower of Christ, you still make that choice to, by faith, trust in his word, trust that he really forgives, that he really loves you, 
that you are really valued. Like that was a great song, the, the line that he said, that, that he has, like you have the affection of God, like the genuine love and desire of the God of the universe that sees every one of your sins and every one of your mistakes and knows you and yet still loves you and desires a relationship with you. Remember this morning we were talking about famous people that you've talked with? How long did that relationship last after the conversation was over? Not at all. all. Exactly, right? It was like, hey, oh, to you, they are just another fan. You are, no offense, I'm sure they're all very nice people, but you are a nobody to them. But not so to the God of the universe. To the God of the universe, you are worth the cross. And that is what we will talk about tonight. So John 17 John 17, verse 11 says, Now I am departing from the world. Excuse me. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. There again, there is so much more here than I could ever like in a week of messages unpack, which just kills me because there's so many good things. I want to talk to you so much about the unity of Christ with Christ and what that means when you're in a relationship. You are united with Christ and with the Father, but we won't talk about that. So study that on your own. There's so much more um, great things. Verse 12, during my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Now, what he's talking about there, in case you're like, the one, what are you, what is Jesus talking about? What he's talking about there is, is um, Judas, one of the disciples, one of Jesus' closest, one of the 12 who followed Jesus for years and heard his teachings and yet still sold him out to be arrested and ultimately crucified. It was, it was prophesied about, it was predicted that this would happen and that's exactly what happened. Um, so, so what Jesus is referencing there is, is Judas. Verse 13, now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Verse 17, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Verse 19, catch this. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. A few things to, to, to note here. Keep, keep, your, keep your Bibles open and look at these verses with me. <clears throat> First of all, realize that there is a clear distinction between those who belong to God and those who don't. How many how many camps of people would you say there are here in this, in this section that Jesus is talking about? When Jesus is talking about groups of people, he's talking about two. He's talking about there are those who are his, those who, who's, who have the truth, and there are those of the world who, as he says in, um, in verse 14, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. So what we see here is there are two camps. There are those who are in Christ, there are, there are those who are Christ's, 
who are in relationship with him, who are preserved by Christ. And there are those who are of the world who hate him and hate that message. And the question I want to ask you tonight is which camp are you in? Because there's no middle ground. There's no third camp. There's no like, I kind of like both. Like I kind of like this sometimes, I kind of like this other times. That's, I've, I've talked a little bit about my own, my own story. That's kind of how I was. I was like, I love the idea of like, you know, carrying my Bible to church and having anyone, and everybody thinking I'm in this camp, but when no one else is around, man, am I over here in this camp? And what Jesus is saying is, is you've got to make a decision. Like, like which, which camp are you in? Which group are you in? So there's a clear distinction between those who belong to God and those who don't. Those who know Jesus are saved, but they still remain in this world. Jesus is leaving, but he's saying, my disciples, my people are still staying. And they, Jesus is, is saying, protect them because they remain. Now, trust me, and we'll, and we'll get into this. You, you can get it. You'll get, talk about this a lot with your, you know, with your youth pastors and small group leaders. Um, for, for many years, there is still this tension. Those who know Christ still feel the effects of their old sinful nature. There is still this tension. There's still this war within them. This, it's called the flesh, the Bible talks about. Um, there's still this desire towards sin, but it, sin doesn't sit right with you if you are in Christ. The world doesn't, doesn't feel the same because you are no longer in the world. But those, so those who know Jesus are saved. Verse 12, in talking about Judas, look at, like, look at this. He, Judas is not this, this like foreigner, this, this person who was so like removed. He was kind of like this unknown person to Jesus. He was one of Jesus' closest followers. He had close, intimate relationship with Jesus. And what he points us to the fact is that it is possible to be close to Jesus and still not know him. It is possible to look like one of Jesus' followers. In fact, when Jesus like was really clear that Judas was going to be the one that betrayed him, and he basically like pointed it out to all the rest of his disciples, he was like, one of you is going to betray me. And he was basically like, it's the one I dip my bread in and hand to. And he does it, and he hands it to Judas. And it's basically like all the disciples are like, huh, I wonder what he means by that. <laughs> and it's like, you know, hello, McFly, are you there? Like, can you, I'm spelling it out to you clearly. And what we see is that it is really easy to deceive those people around you. It's easy to trick the people in your church into thinking that you are one of the followers, that you are a follower of Jesus. But what Jesus is pointing out here, what we see is like, you can still be eternally wrong. And so it's possible to be close to Jesus and still miss the mark. And what we also realize in reading this passage is that God does the work of saving and preserving his people. Verse 17, um, in, in verse, verse 17, verse 19, um, so that they can be made holy by your truth. This, this idea of holiness is being set apart. It's being taken out of the world. It's being made like God. It's being, it's being set apart. And, and what we see here is nowhere is it said, so that they can be made holy by their works. Nowhere here does it say so that they can be made holy by their good deeds, by their church attendance, so that they can be made holy by their, by, by their, they've saved up all their Awana bucks so for their holiness. Like it doesn't, that's not what makes them holy. It's God who makes people, lost people holy. And so what I want to explain very clearly tonight, very clearly that the, what the Bible says about how we can know God and how we can follow Jesus and how we can be, as scripture says, adopted into his family. Really, I, I want you to, 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 to ask the question, like, 
what determines where we stand with God? If we are in one of these two camps, what is it that determines that? What determines which camp I am in? Whether I am a follower of Christ, saved by him, known him by him in relationship with him, or whether I am of the world. And, and one, is, as, as verse 14 says, like hates Jesus and hates his people. Which, what determines which camp I fall into? I'm so glad you asked. I want to tell you. I'm going to teach you something. It's called the hand motion gospel. And I, I, we teach it to the students in our youth group. And um, we teach it to them. We're actually going on a mission trip to Mexico in about six weeks. And we teach it to them um, as, a, as a means to teach the gospel, um, which means the good news, to children down in Mexico. And so you might think like, oh, this is a thing for little kids. Maybe. I mean, we, yes, we use it to communicate the gospel to, to little kids, but I see it as such a great visual, and I want to teach it to you to lock it into your mind, and maybe you can teach it to somebody else. So I want you to go like this. Everybody? You're not too cool for this. In fact, if you're not doing this, you're not cool. Just saying. <laughs> so go like this, and then go like this. You can even make it like a cool sound, like whoosh, or woof. I don't know, whatever you want. Let's hear it. Make, come, you can make up your own sound. <laughs> nice. Very good. I like this. Boy, I, I need to bring our students up here. All right. Now go like this. All right. I'm going to explain to you what you just did. I'm going to explain to you what that means. And this is from scripture. This, is, this, is, this isn't just Stephen Elliott making up some story. Stephen Elliott coming up with something on his own. This is, this is taken from the pages of scripture. This is, this is the story of the Bible. From, from, from Genesis to Revelation, this is, what the, this is what the Bible says. This is the story. And the reality is that, uh, and the truth is that, that the scripture reveals is that we are created in this relationship with God. We are created in perfect relationship with him. God created us to, to know him, as we talked about, to, to be glorified by him, not as like these, these, sir, these, these like peons that he would just, you know, like, uh, you know, just to, to make us slaves, but as, as his children that he would be in relationship with. But something broke that relationship and separated us from God. And it's this thing, and it's called sin. And sin entered into the world, and sin broke that relationship. And what sin is, is sin is us deciding for ourselves what is right and wrong. You see, God, along with creating us, created rules and boundaries, and all these rules and boundaries were reflective of his nature. He didn't just say, like, eh, don't lie because I feel like that should be a good one. He, doesn't, he said, don't lie because he is a God of truth, because he doesn't lie. It's reflective of his nature. He, doesn't, he says, don't, don't hate because he's a God of love, and it's reflective of his nature. But we, somewhere along the line, chose to define right and wrong for ourselves. We decided, I don't want to follow those rules. I want to decide what the rules are. I want to decide what's okay and what's not okay and what's right and wrong, and I'm going to do that. And, you know, tough luck, God. I want to be God of my own life. I don't want you to be God of my life. And that's what sin is. And sin breaks that relationship and separates us from, it, from God. And we are guilty of breaking the rules of the holy and the perfect God. Now, you might think to yourself, well, okay, maybe, but I am not, like, I get the sin thing, maybe, but, 
certainly some people's sins are really, really bad. And you would be, you would be absolutely right. And for that, I need a couple of volunteers. I need, I need four volunteers. No, wait, wait, don't. You don't know what you're volunteering for. It could be something terrible. You don't care. Okay, I need, get the paintball guns out, Brian. I need four volunteers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some are like, yes. All right, no, I need four volunteers who think they've got what it takes when it comes to making paper airplanes. Like, they, oh, okay, that's really impressive. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Okay, uh, right here. And then, okay, in the back, standing up. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay, okay, come on up. You've got, you're, dang, he like fluffed his coat too. And, okay, what, what over here, and the yellow jacket over here. All right, is that four? Okay, whose birthday is it? Okay, it's your birthday. Come on up. You, okay, five. All right. Wait, it's not your birthday. Wait, but did someone over here say it's their birthday? Is it your birthday? Is anybody's birthday today? Is it really? If it's your birthday, come on up. You can make a paper airplane and be humiliated by everybody. Okay, you don't have to. That's fine. Here you go. Okay. All right. You have one shot. I want to see a good paper airplane. I don't know. Uh, performance. <laughs> Dang, he has multiple paper airplanes. That he, I'm actually a little nervous. Now, on the line here is a million rec points. Uh, <laughs> all the rec team people are like, not true. I actually have no power to give out rec points. So, you know, it actually like, it actually works. It really doesn't count. So, okay, how are these paper airplanes coming along? If you could speed it along a little bit, that would help, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. I should have also given you a time limit to these. These are looking good. I'm actually impressed. Okay, how, how are we doing? Almost done? Is, what are we, all right. Is there like different styles? Do different paper airplanes have different names? Like, I'm, I'm building a, I, I don't know. Anybody know this? Anything about I, I'm terrible with paper airplanes. All right, in the back, could somebody in the back, one of the staff, grab that trash can in the hallway? Awesome, thanks, Byron. All right, how are we doing? Ready? Oh my goodness. So complicated. Are we good? Good? Are you ready? How are you doing? All right, well, if you're ready, stand up here and show everybody, for everyone to see your paper airplane. All right, Brian, maybe step back a little. I'm, they're actually really, I'm, I'm a little nervous how confident they are. All right, for one million rec points, see the trash can right next to, to the left of Brian. All right, sink it in the, <laughs> sink it in the trash can. We're going to go one at a time. All right. All right, go for it. All right, here we go. The birthday boy, ready? Whoa! Okay, that's really amazing. Like, well done. That, that really, like, got elevation. Well done. You can do it. You got this. I believe in you. Ready? Do you want me to throw it for you? Okay, okay. Oh, you want me to? Okay. All right, here we go. Ready? This is, I'm throwing on her, uh, this, Allie, right? I'm throwing, this is Allie's. Ready? Go, go. I warned you, I'm not sorry if I put your eye out. 
Okay, are you ready? You want me to throw your suit? You just saw what I did. Okay, this is, what's your name? What is it? Abby. Abby, okay, this is Abby's. You saw what I did. Sorry, everyone's like. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, Abby. I failed you. Do you, you can throw yours. Okay, here it comes. Here it comes. Wait, what's, oh, wait, what's your name? Levi. Le, what is it? Levi. Levi. It's on your shirt. <laughs> All right, go for it, Levi. Represent. Oh. Oh. What's your name? Reagan. Reagan. Oh. Reagan. Well done. All right, thank you guys very much. Appreciate. I broke. I told you I'm not good. I did. There's a reason I called you up, and I didn't. Way to go, Reagan. Reagan. Does Reagan get a million rec points for his team? He does not. I didn't lie. I say he's got to sink it. To get the points, he had to sink it in the trash can. Did he sink it in the trash can? No, he missed. His miss was not as significant as some of the misses of others, right? Of mine, yes, I'll take ownership of it. But does that make a difference? Does it? If you miss by about 10 feet or you miss by about 50 feet, is it still a miss? Absolutely. Do you guys know that... And one of the words in the Bible for sin is miss. You know what it says in the Bible? In Romans 3.23, it says, Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you might be telling yourself, okay, like maybe I don't have to convince you that you're a sinner. Maybe I don't have to convince you that you are not perfect. Like maybe there is times that you have let certain words slip that you know you shouldn't. You've lied. You've stolen things. You've thought thoughts that you know aren't right. Or maybe you have just elevated yourself above other people. That's a thing we call pride. Or maybe you just think about yourself more than others. You've treated people poorly um, or, or whatever else. Maybe I don't have to convince you that you are a sinner, and you realize it. And you might be responding by saying, I'm not as bad of a sinner as this person or that person. And you, and you would be right. But it doesn't matter because a sin is a sin and a sin misses the mark. Now we, again, we might think that like, again, there's, I, like, I'm not this murderer. I'm not, I'm not selling drugs to kindergartners or anything like this, Stephen. But let me... <laughs> True, I certainly hope not. But listen, shh. Listen to this, and I would encourage you to write this down. The punishment you receive is determined by the one you sin against. Let me say that again. The punishment you receive is determined by the one you sin against, not yourself. Let me illustrate it this way. Say you just get up and want to, for whatever reason, you're frustrated and you just walk over to that wall over there and you just like, boom, punch it hard. Did you do anything wrong? I mean, that's not smart, right? Not the best decision. You probably broke your hand, but you didn't really like 
Like, that, you're not going to get in trouble for that. I mean, your parents are probably going to be mad because you broke your hand. Now, say you're driving home, and you see one of those awesome cows out in the field, and you just decide, stupid cow, and you jump a fence, and you just like, let's see what will happen. Boom, and you punch a cow. Are you in trouble? I mean, again, not smart. That cow is going to turn around and probably, like, gore you or something like that. Now, now, you get home, and your older brother is there, and you're just, like, you're just wanting to punch something, and you just, like, boom, punch your older brother. Are you going to get into trouble for that? Yeah, a little bit. Now, let's say it's a parent. Now, shh, now let's say it's a police officer. Okay. Now let's say it's some sort of government official. Let's say it's a president or a king or a prime minister or something like that. You are getting in increasingly more trouble. But what's the difference? You're still punching something. You see, you can't determine... Like, the punishment is not determined by you or your actions. It's determined by the one that you, that you sin against, whom your actions are, are towards. So you sin against a person, you're guilty. You sin against the holy, perfect, almighty God who spoke this world into existence and has every right to establish the rules of the world that you live in. You live in his world. You are, and I are subject to his rules, and we are absolutely guilty of violating them, not once, not twice, but thousands and thousands of times. So you and I stand ultimately, eternally guilty. And what the Bible says is that the wages of sin is death. And this is not just physical death, which is true, but ultimately spiritual death and eternal separation from God. And so if the message is over after this, you're like, this is a huge bummer. But this is where the news becomes amazing because it doesn't stop there. You see, where we were at in the hand motion gospel, right? We're broken. We are in this, this is this state. And everything we do to try to restore this relationship with God is, is like worthless. It's like these, sometimes we think of it as these scales where it's like, okay, I have a lot of sin over here and it's tipped the scales in my, like against me over here. But if I just do enough good stuff, it will offset the weight to where it's now in my favor, and God will somehow see, see my, my mistakes, but he'll see all of my good stuff. And he's so good and nice that he'll overlook my mistakes and he'll accept me and forgive me and love me and allow me to be in this right relationship with him. I will basically work my way back into that right relationship with God. But what kind of a judge, think of it in a courtroom setting. Think of someone that is guilty of some terrible sins, a murderer, and they tell the judge, okay, I did it. I'm guilty. But listen, I, yeah, I, I, like I, I volunteer at my local food bank. Like I feed the homeless. I actually serve at my church and like I take care of my grandma. So good enough. And if the judge, what kind of a judge would go, actually, yeah, like way to go. You can go free. Would we all say, way to go. That's a great judge. All right. No, of course not. He'd be kicked out. That's injustice. That is not justice. We justice is that the punishment should be paid for. And God is a just God and sin must 
be punished. That's what we, we think God can just overlook sin. But because God is good and because God is just, he cannot allow sin to be, over, to, to be overlooked, to be brushed under the rug. And Ephesians 2 says, Ephesians 2 1 says that we are dead in our sin. We are in, in this state of spiritual deadness. I don't know if that's actually a word, but we are dead spiritually in and because of our sin, and we could never save ourselves. We could never work our way back to God. And so this is where the news gets amazing. Oh, yeah. Because God became one of us. God became man and put flesh on. And he lived among us, and his name was Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth lived among us, lived a perfect life that we could never live. And he died on a cross in our place. Look at verse 19. It says, And I give myself as a holy sacrifice, death, for myself, because of me? No, for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. You see, we have this broken relationship with God and he became man and he offers us this forgiveness and he paid for that forgiveness on the cross. Again, sin must be punished. And so Jesus took our punishment on himself on the cross. If you think about this, like why did, why did Jesus die on the cross. He had to die on the cross because sin had to be punished. It was God who killed Jesus on the cross. If you want to see the consequence of your sin, look at the cross. See, Jesus, God had to pour out the full wrath of his justice on Jesus on the cross. Jesus took the full weight of God's wrath on himself. So if you want to see the cost of your sin, the, the, like the reality of God's wrath towards sin, and sinners, look at the cross. But do you want to see the incredible love of Jesus towards sinners and his desire to see them in this right relationship? How much he loves you, how incredibly valuable you are to him? Look at the cross. At the cross is this crossroads of God's complete wrath and complete love towards sinners. We could never work it back for ourselves. And so Jesus was the sacrifice for us. <clears throat> Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. It doesn't stop there, though. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about that. Listen to that. The free gift of God is eternal life through you, through your works, through your religion, through your obedience, through your goodness, no, the free gift of God, this gift that he offers us is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And you ask yourself about this, you might ask yourself about this gift. Like, how do you, how does one accept this gift? In John 1, 12, it says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. But to all believed and accepted. Now, some of your translations may say, say but to as many as received him. You see, he died for us, he rose again, and he offers us a way to be made right with him. And if we take his hand, that hand motion gospel, this is the last part, he offers us this gift. And if we take his hand and receive his gift, he will raise us back into this right relationship with God. If we take his hand and place our faith and our trust in him, he will restore us once again. 
And that is the gospel. That's the good news. But the question then you might be asking is, okay, how do I do that? How do I, how do, I do that, that John 1, 12, receive him? How do I, for as many as received him, he gives the right to become children, not no longer enemies, no longer objects of his wrath, but his adopted children, which is what scripture says. Like, how do we receive him? Let me tell you, the first thing that we must do is we must confess that we are sinners. And again, maybe you're thinking, I have done this long ago. I can check out. No, guys, don't think that for a second. This is, this is the, as I said before, the same grace that saves you. This is the grace that sustains you. This should never grow old for us who follow Christ. We have to confess our sin. In other words, you just recognize, I missed. Whether I think I was really close, and by the way, none of us are ever that close. None of us are like, oh, I almost made it. No, we, we missed by, we missed by it an eternity. And you have to think, and you have to confess, I missed and it's my fault. I did it. I willingly chose myself over God. And we recognize that we can't save ourselves. You confess, you recognize, Jesus, you alone save me. Jesus says in John, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says this, no one comes to the Father but through me. Not other religions, not good works, not obedience, not dumb luck, not maybe. I, if I'm lucky, God will accept me, or like maybe I'll just slide in under the radar. Only through Jesus Christ, the scriptures say, and we have, have to accept that he, we, la, 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 la. we have to accept him, sorry, as the one who saves you and accept him as Lord. Now, what I mean by that, a lot of us like that idea of getting our sins forgiven, but it doesn't stop there because if we say yes to Jesus as the savior of our sins, he also calls us to say yes to him as king of our lives and Lord of our lives. You can't say, and there were many that wanted this, that said, I, I want to follow you, Jesus. And he would say, okay, follow me. And he would lay out what that means. And they would say, hmm, nope, never mind. And they would walk away. Let me ask you, are those followers of Jesus? If they're not following Jesus? A lot of people want the idea of Jesus forgiving them of their sins, but they still want to be in control of their life. They do not want him to sit on the throne of their lives. They still want to be in control. And so listen, if you say yes to Jesus, you, you accept his free gift that costs you nothing, cost him everything. You accept his free gift of forgiveness, but you also are laying down your, the right to yourself to be in charge of your life. You are laying down your life for him. You are saying, you now become king of my life. You now become Lord. You, be, you get to call the shots in my life. He's gonna call you to forgive people that don't deserve forgiveness. He's gonna call you to end relationships that are tearing you down and pulling you away from him. He's gonna call you to, to love people that are very unlovable. He's gonna call you to things that are very, very difficult over and over and over again. And listen, it is the best thing for you. You will never regret saying yes to Jesus. Will it cost you a lot? Absolutely. Will it cost you everything? Possibly. Will it be very, very difficult, awkward to end certain relationships? Absolutely. Is it worth it? Absolutely it is. I think so. I've lived my life for, for, for Christ for over 20 years. I've never once regretted saying yes to Jesus. It's absolutely worth. I, 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 make it, I made a mess of my life. Because only when I handed it over to Jesus, and the more I've handed it over to him, the more I've realized is like my life is best in his hands. But it costs a lot. It's difficult at times. It's absolutely worth it though. 
Some of you might be thinking, you don't know what I've done, Stephen, and you're absolutely right. Jesus can forgive a lot, but he can't forgive this. He can't forgive me for that thing. Like, he can forgive most, but he can't forgive all. I read this story in a book a few months ago, and it goes something like this, that there is this, pretend that there's this doctor that, that becomes aware of this, um, this tribe in South America. And he becomes aware that this tribe, suddenly this disease like came into this tribe and it is just ravaging their people. And they are the, like, the people of this tribe are just suffering and dying and getting sick and miserable and, and all these things. And this doctor takes it upon himself to research this disease that's killing these people. He, on, he's independently wealthy on his own, um, on his own merit, on his own work, comes up with this vaccination, travels deep into the jungle to this tribe, comes to these people and says, I have the cure that's going to save you. Which in any one of those, you know, um, people from the tribe would go up to the doctor and be like, ah, I want to ask him for the, for the, like, for the cure, but I'm so ashamed. I don't think he's really going to actually give it to me. Like he wouldn't, yeah, I'm just, I don't actually deserve that cure. No, of course not. Why would you think that? Look at what he did to get it to you. He gets nothing from this. He doesn't, just look at the journey he took to get the cure to these people. None of them should feel any shame in going to that doctor for the cure. And in the same way, nobody should feel any shame or guilt for going to Jesus and asking him to forgive you of every single sin because he is absolutely capable of doing that. So, so friend, don't feel any shame in saying, Jesus, I have sinned and you know that. And I am so sorry and I want your forgiveness. And that is that gift that he offers, and that's that receiving. We have to receive that gift that he calls us, um, that, he, that he wants us to receive. So I'm gonna ask you to do something in a minute. If you wanna give your life to Christ for the very first time, you've never, I mean, maybe you prayed a prayer long ago, but you know in your heart, like that was, I was just saying words. And may, maybe not, maybe you've never given your life to Christ. If you wanna give your life to, the, to, to Jesus Christ for the very first time, I'm gonna ask you in a second to stand up and I want you to out loud say, I will follow Jesus. Now you might be thinking for a second like, oh, like, <laughs> no. Like let's all close our eyes and maybe I'll kind of like, huh, right here. Listen, friend, if you're not willing to stand up publicly and proclaim your allegiance to Jesus Christ and your desire to follow him above everything else in this world in a room full of people that love you and support you and will cheer for you and want you to know Christ like they know Christ, you will not make it in this world where people like what Jesus said, hate you and don't want you to follow Christ. So if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time, I'm going to ask you, go ahead and stand up now and say that publicly, that you'll follow Jesus. Go ahead, any of you, anybody who wants. That's awesome, guys. All right, stay standing, stay standing real quick. That's awesome, guys. That's awesome, keep standing. All right. Awesome. All right, leaders, friends, look around. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ now. Literally what the scriptures say, guys, listen, listen to me. The scriptures say that you have gone from death to life, that now the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit now indwells you. 
that sins are forgiven and that you now live in right relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want you to stand, not only to proclaim this publicly, but also lock this in in your mind because you might get home and you might think to yourself, ah, that wasn't real. Like you will hear temptation. You will hear, you'll, you'll hear lies and say like, I didn't really mean that. Or I didn't, I didn't really, really believe that. But lock this in in your blind, lock this moment in. And also leaders, look around in your small group time. I want you to follow up with these people and friends, now brothers and sisters in Christ, follow up uh, with these people and talk to them about now what that means to be a follower of Christ. And they can pray with you where you can actually talk to Jesus, confess your sins and, and, and begin that new relationship with Christ. All right, love you guys. I'm so proud of you. You can sit down. It's awesome. And now if you, maybe if you are a follower of Christ and you gave your life to Christ and, and you have asked him to forgive you of your sins, but you know that that whole idea of like Jesus as Lord sitting on the throne, maybe there is a lot of sin that's been like, you have been gravitating towards sin more and more and more in your life. And Jesus is getting, becoming more distant and you are sitting more on the throne of your life than Jesus is. And you need to make things right. You need to pray, confess sin. We often use the word rededicate, which isn't, isn't wrong, but I don't think it's in scripture. I don't see that. I see the word repent. And that means you're going one way and now you turn and you're going another. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to, in your groups, confess some sin. I'm not saying you just like, all right, let's break out the list. We're going we're to be here for a while. I have to start listing every sin. I, I'm not saying you have to do that. Maybe there's some, maybe there's some, some sin between you and a brother or sister that, in, Christ, in Christ that you need to ask for forgiveness for or something. But you know that there's something that's not right in this relationship with you and God. He it is like this, but you're kind of trying to pry your hands out, something like that. I'm going to ask you now, Stan, you don't, you don't need to say anything, but just publicly stating this, you are kind of making an appointment with your small group. Hey, I need to, I have things that I need to get right with Jesus Christ. And I need, I'm asking, you know, asking your brothers and sisters in Christ around you to help you begin that reconciliation with God. So if that's you, if you need to want to get your life, your relationship with Christ back on track, go ahead and you stand as well. Awesome. It's great, guys. Stay standing. Leaders, brothers, sisters in Christ, take a look around. I know, this is, I know this might seem embarrassing, but it's not. This is, this is what we are called to do. This, and you know what? What you guys are doing now, honestly, we do daily. We daily come back to Christ and we're like, ah, it's me again and it's that thing again. I messed up again. And again, God is like that great doctor that he's not like, what, you again? No, he's like, yes, come back. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that sustains you over and over and over and over again. And so never think that you have sinned too much, that you can't stand up again, that you can't truly be forgiven because you are. That relationship is solid. It's in Christ. You are unified with Christ. All right, God bless you guys. Love you. Sit down. Go ahead. It's awesome. And finally, last thing that I want to say, and then we'll, we'll close in prayer. Maybe some of you are doing well. Like maybe some of you are thinking like, I'm, like I don't have secret hidden sin that I'm keeping hidden. Like, I, yeah, I mess up, but I, I, I confess I'm like growing in my faith. I'm growing in my relationship with, with, with my church. Like maybe you even feel guilty that you're not making some major decision or anything like that. Don't, don't feel guilty. 
Again, like we talked about this morning, you don't grow in a week, you grow weekly. Continue growing in that relationship with Christ. You being here, you listening to this message spurs you on day in and day out in your walk with Christ. Um, so keep going, hang in there. You're doing well, don't stop, be encouraged. And remember ultimately that the power that keeps you going week in and week out isn't in your own strength. It is by the Holy Spirit who indwells you and empowers you to be faithful and he sustains you and he, can, he continues to sustain you. Uh, daily, moment by moment, every day, every hour you need him and he sustains you. All right, I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to break up into our groups. Oh, gracious Father, thank you so much for the work that you do. You, by your spirit, do the work. You, Father, for your glory, have called these young people to yourself. You are drawing them to you. You're saving them. You're forgiving them of their sins. We are grateful, Lord. We give you the praise and pray for them as they begin this new relationship with you, that you would encourage them, that they would realize this new life, this lifelong faith that they are entering into and this new life that they have in you. And would they see and experience and know the true joy and peace and contentment that comes with it. We love you, Father. We give you all the glory and praise and we pray in your name. Amen.